Plunger moves on in, and he scores! Gonna learn today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. John Gove's got me distracted right now, but anyways, I'm back on track. Welcome to the Pot Street Bullies. My name is Derek. And I'm John. What's going on, everybody? And I'd be remiss if I didn't say that the Pot Street Bullies is brought to you by none other than Philadelphia Sports Network. You can catch us yep. on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and a million other things that I'm sure you'll find us. YouTube, that as well. Pod snatcher. Yeah, just just look us up. You'll find us. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing. If I, don't, if I don't sound conceited there, I don't know. But um, um, man, this is kind of bittersweet for us right now. Like this Flyers five series is finally mm-hmm. coming to an end tonight. I'm okay with it. I think I put I've had more a- research into this than I ever did my entire college career, like combined. Oh yeah, <laughs> hands down. Um, but I'm kind of happy it's done, but I'd like to talk about like real hockey stuff. Like this has been fun. I've really enjoyed this, but I'd like to talk about something that's a little bit more relevant now. Yeah. I'd like the flyers to give us something to talk about. That's a little more relevant right now too. Right. I mean, it is the middle of August and there's not a whole lot of hockey going on, but maybe sign somebody. That'd be cool. That'd be nice. You know, I'd like a, I'd like a connect me signing. I think that'll come first. Honestly, I think Provorov, it might be a while. Right. I mean, we're going to dive deeper into that, I think, in a later episode. But uh, I agree with you. I think Provorov is going to be more like uh, November deal-ish. Yeah, that market's got to set itself. And it's not going to set itself until guys like McAvoy, Wierenski start ponying up and uh, putting their John Hancock down on that contract. Right. But regardless, we have... Our last installment of the Flyers 5 series, folks. The centers, the five greatest centers, Flyers centers of all time. And John, This was tough. I feel like I say that every time, but this was tough. This one, legit, like, they are all tough, let's be honest. But right. this one we knew, like, the five guys that we wanted. Right. But ranking them, I think this list was the hardest to rank the top five. Yeah, side note, Derek was in a straight-up panic about ranking these guys. He called me yesterday. John, I don't know what to do. Yeah, like, I didn't sound smart enough talking to Mike last week. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> like oh, I'm panicking, dude. You're going to need a new co-host. Like, this is bad. <laughs> but, but That's uh, all right, dude. I'm actually thinking if I'm going to stay on, you're going to have to start paying me 40 mil a year. Relax there, Kevin Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more of a Dak Prescott deal. Oh, please. Listen, I'm a Cowboys fan, and that's outrageous. Come on. $40 million a year. What is he thinking? Even $35, i would still think he's overpaid. But Dude, he gets offered $30. i will be like, yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. He did. He turned it down. I know. Reportedly. He's an idiot. Yeah. That's the, at what point, though, do you blame the agent? Because agents are the ones that are out looking for the most money, too, because they get commish. Right, no, and I'm sure that he's blaming the agent because he looks like an idiot now. Like, nobody thinks he's a smart man. No, that was a boneheaded move to say it politely. Right, but anyway. We digress. We're going to get back to hockey because this is a hockey podcast. So, jumping right into this, 
we're going to go top five, five, four, three, two, one. Then we're going to go underrated. Then we're going to go busts. And then we're just going to go. And then we're going to go. Yeah. Well, no, we got that other stuff going on. But yeah, we, um, we got other stuff. <laughs> we're going to do that similar format to last week, right? We decided that you're going to rattle up your top five and I'm going to kind of piggyback off what you say. Yeah, we can just kind of run through this top five that I've got right here, and then you say, okay, this is who I had, or this is where I had that guy. Right, yeah. Whatever you feel comfortable doing, and then if there's one, we actually talked about this, we have the same five players, just we don't know where we have them ranked. Right. So one or two might come as a surprise, one or two may not, we'll see. Right. The only way to find out, let's get right into it. Let's do it. Number five, I have... Rod the Bod Brindamore, baby. All right. I had to put him on there after looking at his stats, after looking at his career. And, I mean, not just I, I, just his Flyers career, but, like, the rest of his career was still phenomenal. Uh, right. A lot of I mean, time he, with Carolina. Right. He won a Stanley Cup with Carolina. Yeah. And, I mean, even as a coach this year with Carolina, look at what he did. Right. But with the Flyers – He had 601 points in 633 games, fourth most games out of all Flyers centers, and fifth most points out of all Flyers centers, which, Mm -hmm. you know, on the list that we're looking at right now, that's pretty impressive because we all know the names, and I'm not going to rattle them off right now because we're going to get to a few of them. But getting into specifics with goals and assists, he's fifth in both goals and assists, 235 goals. 366 assists. It doesn't touch the person who's ranked number one, but he also did this in about eight and a half seasons for the Flyers. Yeah, I mean, and the one thing that really stands out with Rod Brendamore is he was an absolute workhorse. I mean, besides for all the intangibles, I mean, besides for all the points, you know, he had all the intangibles. I mean, the guy played 484 straight games for the Flyers. He's the Cal Ripken of the NHL. It's unreal, dude. It is, especially when you consider, like, look, who's played the most games right now in the NHL uh, in a row? I couldn't tell you, but 484. Well, it was, wasn't it Cogliano for a while? Wasn't he, like, the Iron Man? Or I, I think you're right. I think it was Cogliano. I, but I, I think I am, too. 484, that's... And then he... Yeah, and he lost the streak because he got suspended for, like, performance-enhancing drugs or something. But wasn't that... Or am I making that up? I believe you're right. I'll have to double-check that, but we will look into that. Um, yeah. But like John said, 484 games played total. He was inducted into the Flyers Hall of Fame in November of 2015. One thing, we talked about this earlier, um, I believe yesterday or on... Tuesday, if I can remember correctly, in the 97 playoffs against Pittsburgh in that series, Brindamore had scored two shorthanded goals during the same power play, the penalty kill for the Flyers. Crazy. It's insane. And he was such a defensively sound center as well, which kind of just bolstered the argument to have him in the top five as well. Well, yeah. I mean, to be honest, he's my number four. I can't blame you for putting him there. (laughs) Yeah. I just think, like, when it comes to, like, an all-around player, right? I mean, he just had everything that you look for in a hockey player. Like, the guy never broke down, you know? And you have, sometimes you have those guys, but they're not really point producers. This guy could do it. I mean, in two shorthanded goals. 
I mean, that was a guy who was never satisfied. And to me, I just have to give him a lot of respect. So he's my number four. He even had 200 power play points. So one-third of his points came on the power play. So that just says a lot about, one, his usage because he was used on the power play. And two, when you're up a man, you know, and Brendan Moore's on the ice, you're probably going to get a point. Right. I mean, he was a guy you could put in every situation. Yeah, shutdown center, power play guy, even strength. You know, it says... I'm sure he he's got a few stats shorthanded, obviously considering he scored two shorthanded goals in one power play. But a majority of goals came at even strength, assists as well. Still doesn't right. take away from the fact that he was just a complete player, and I'd be incredibly stupid if I left him off my top five. <laughs> oh, for sure, man. Yeah. All right, so who do you have it for? I mean, he was my fourth. Who do you have it for? I was very reluctant to put this individual this low. But I had to account for the fact that he didn't play his entire career at center. Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux. You know what? That's all right, man. I, before you go in any further, he's my fifth. Yeah. And it makes sense. It's This one was the toughest one for me because I, at one point, had him up at two. But yeah. you also talked me off a ledge once again. Because you have to almost discount these past two seasons where he's been playing on the left wing. Right. I mean, and it's tough, too, because, yeah, he has played some games at center. But, like, you and me aren't going to go back and look at all the separate game logs to find out, you know, what points were acquired when he was a center and what points were acquired when he was a left winger. Exactly. And it's that's hard to track. And I don't even know if we'd be able to find that. But, you know, with his argument... As my number four center, your number five, you know, he's a six-time All-Star, which in this day and age, in any day and age really, it's pretty great. Fourth place in heart voting in 2012. He lost out to Evgeny Malkin, Steven Stamkos, and King Henrik Lundqvist. And then in he was third in 2014, losing out to Sidney Crosby and Ryan Getzlaff. And -hmm. then the heartbreak heard around the world, 20... uh, 2018, he came in fourth place. Oh, yeah. That, I will scream this from a mountaintop until the day I die, that award should have went to Claude Giroux. Maybe I'm a homer. Yep. Maybe whatever. I don't care. That, <laughs> NHL doesn't like the Flyers. Yeah, it's very evident by these couple lists that they've put out, right. you know. But right. um, that's, it, that's something I'll stand by, too. It's insane. Yeah. Man. It still doesn't take away from the fact that I, I did not discount these past two seasons from total stats here, but... He's second overall in games played with 820. He's second overall in scoring with 762 points. He's almost a point-per-game player and averaged 30, 64 points per season up to this point. Hey, pump the brakes, brother, man. Yeah? He's not – oh, never mind. He's Never mind second as far as centers. Second never as far mind. as centers, yes. I, yeah. sh- I clarified that with Brendan Moore. I should have clarified that with Giroux as well. Well, it should be clar- need to be clarified. We're doing a centers uh, episode. I'm just an idiot. Yeah, well, you and me both, brother. <laughs> but, uh, you know, goals, he's fourth overall uh, for centers, and he's second overall in assists. And looking at his stats, mm-hmm. the only center above him – is someone we're going to mention later on. Do you see yeah. Giroux catching him? Um, Let me look at the number again. Seven, six. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of ground to make up. Yeah, I mean, I 
I don't know. That'd be that'd be tough. I mean, considering that players tend to decline after thirty. He's trailing uh, by four hundred and forty-eight points. Yeah, so he would have to have. I mean, he'd have to have a bunch of a hundred. He'd have to have what four hundred game. I mean, hundred point seasons, or have like six eighty game seasons, or something ridiculous. Yeah, that's. That'd be tough. It's tough. That's uh, it's not something that someone in their thirties can do, um, right? Without being somebody like you know Yager or Gretzky, but right. <laughs> that's. I don't think he'll catch him, but I do think that if we're gonna talk just forwards overall, wingers and centers, right? I think Claude Giroux will go down as the one of the best to ever play for the Flyers. Well, listen, man, I mean, outside of just his numbers, this guy was the reason that this team wasn't worse than they were during our bad years. I mean, we were on a rebuild and we were still flirting with the playoffs because because of Claude Giroux. Very true. He kept the Flyers in so many games. And one of the main arguments I saw against Claude Giroux is... You know, oh, he doesn't show up in the playoffs. He doesn't, you know, when he when we need him in the playoffs, he doesn't show up. He doesn't do his job. He's not a great captain. I want to delve into that just a little. Not, sure. I won't go into a great extent with it, but he's played in sixty nine playoff games to this yep. to this date. Still more to come. I'm assuming sixty five points. You said sixty nine games and sixty five points. Yes. Okay. In the twenty ten Stanley Cup run. He had 21 points in 23 games, on par with his overall production. Right. Don't ever tell me that Claude Giroux can't perform in the playoffs. This is just idiot fans. I mean... I get people are disgruntled, understand. Right. We all are, to an extent, as well. But that doesn't... that's, That's a bad argument. Well, and I think, too, you know, not necessarily the playoff performance, but going on the leadership. Last year was a mess for this team. And we couldn't really understand why. There were so many high hopes at the beginning of the year, and you just couldn't understand why. So then you start diving into, oh, it must be the leadership. You know, Claude Giroux must not be a good leader. And we don't really know. I mean, maybe he should be a little bit more vocal on the ice. Maybe we should see a little bit more passion from him. I don't know. I've seen him break his stick on a goal on a goal post a few times. I've seen that. You know, but... I don't know. I think it's unfair to call this guy a poor captain just because the team hasn't done well, you but, know, as as good as we'd like anyway. Of course. And that fits kind of with the line of secession when, you know, everything's going wrong and nothing's going right. You look at the team as a whole. When right. you can't really pinpoint anything with the team, you look at the leadership. So right. is it just to say something like that and go off about the leadership of the team? Yeah, but not when your guy is putting up 65 points in 69 playoff games. It's just – it's almost impossible for us to judge what a good leader is from the stands or our television. You know, yeah. because we're not in the locker room. We're not there for practices. We don't see what he's doing kind of behind the scenes. You know, it's not like where there's reports of Claude Giroux taking all the young players out on a, uh, a hooker chase and snort and blow off things. I like he's just it's just insane to me you're right and i think you know his biggest offense was grabbing that ottawa cops cops butt you know twice but who hasn't right. done that let's be honest 
I mean, I'm pretty sure that's Ottawa's motto. When you walk in, they have the sign that says, grab a cop's butt, welcome to Ottawa. Yeah, that's, you know, that's just a sign of respect from what I understand. Right. But, if, <laughs> if you go to Ottawa and do that, don't don't use us as a reference for why you pinched yeah. anybody's butt, okay, people? Yeah, you're on your own. We're not bailing you out of jail either. <laughs> but um, I guess if there's, a, if there's nothing else we want to add to the Giroux argument here for number four for me, number five for you. Well, I actually, I just want to keep talking about it for one more second because he okay. was the, the wrench in this for me. He's what made ranking these centers so difficult because I kept going back and forth. Because like you said, if we're talking about just like top players, you know, he could be higher, you know. Um, challenging because you almost feel like you're not giving the guy enough credit by making him four or five. Yeah, and it's you know what it boils down to is the fact that this is rankings for centers. So if we're doing a top five of all time, or even I'd I'd probably say top ten at this point, I'd definitely put Giroux in that category. But for centers, yeah, not right now. Yeah. So just a quick recap: yours so far are five. You've got Brenda Moore. Four. You have Giroux. Five. I have Brenda Moore. Four. No. Five, I have Giroux. Four, I have Brenda Moore. Yes. So we're flippy floppy. That is correct. So. All right. We move to number three. Yep. My number three, and this is probably where I would have put Giroux, but I couldn't do it. It is Reggie, not Reggie, goodness. I'm still thinking Uh, back to last week. Rick. Rick McLeish. Yeah, boy. I'm assuming by the yeah, boy, you agree with me. I do. Oh, I love Rick McLeish. I do like him. I did, like I always do, a ridiculous amount of research and still can't reach a definitive decision until the night before. But <laughs> McLeish really intrigued me. Um, just, if not for his overall stats across his career with the Flyers, for the fact that his playoff success was just outstanding. Right, and I think the hair has to help too. Yes, that man just had a slick head of hair. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, it's just a great picture. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, yeah. If you could uh, see it and I'm... we could put it on this somehow, like you guys would look at that and say, yeah, they're right. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I could rock that hairdo. Anyway, let's go talk about what he did on the ice. Yeah, on the ice, Reggie McLeish, Rick Mm-mm. McLeish. Goodness. I'll get. I'll. I'll sort this out here. Rick McLeish had seven seasons with at least 30 goals. He had four seasons with at least 40 assists and overall six seasons with 70 points or more. Can I piggyback off you really quick for a second? You may. So his first year with the Flyers, age 21, six points in 26 games. Yep. Second, Second year, age 22, right? 17 games played. Three points. It ain't looking that well. It ain't looking that good for our boy Rick. Third mm-hmm. year, seventy-eight games, fifty and fifty. He goes from scoring nine points his first two years to scoring a hundred his third year. Did they test for performance-enhancing drugs back then? <laughs> I yeah. Uh, he must have been taking some sort of like horse intestine or something. Horse? Do you say intestine? Yeah. What? What? Where is that coming from? 
Well, I was originally going to go with a different body part, but then realized, you know, we're trying to keep it PG here, so I went with the intestine. I'm trying not to laugh through this because <laughs> every day that we put one of these shows out, I listen and I'm like, I hate the fact that I laugh at everything because it just sounds stupid when you hear yourself laugh, but this well, is why. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a funny guy. But yeah, and this is your fault, so I blame you once again. But- right. So anyway, after the horse intestine infused third year... You know, he he just became a really good player. Yeah, I mean, evidenced by the two Stanley Cups that he won, and if it weren't for Bernie yep. Perrant, he'd have probably had two Conn Smythe to add to that trophy case as well. Yep. Yeah. Led all scorers in the 74 playoffs with 22 points. Led all scorers again the very next year. And lost both times. Lost out to Bernie Perrant for the Conn Smythe, which, that's fair. Bernie Perrant. As John eloquently puts every time we discuss his name, only the Lord saves more. Still looking for that shirt, people. Come on now. Yeah, you know our sizes. Right. Do Uh, they? Large. Large, yes. We are large men. You know, isn't it crazy he never won an award? It blows my mind, especially considering the fact that you pointed out he had a 50-50 year. Like, that's, that's, it's insane. It just goes to show you how talented, you know, this league is. It really does, and I I should have I wish I could have pulled up who won the the Hart Trophy that year. It would have been easier to make the case for McLeish here, but I didn't. Right. Let's. Well, you keep talking. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. So January third, he was born, which is one day after the day that I was born, but obviously many years before I was born. So yep. I like him already, but he was acquired from Boston. Um, it was a three way trade with Toronto where. The Philadelphia Flyers actually gave up Bernie Perrant to Toronto, and they got McLeish and Danny Shack. I uh, oh, here we go. I'm gonna save who won the Hart Memorial Trophy until we get until we get there. I think I know. But <laughs> yep. Yeah, I keep, think I know. Just keep just keep talking. Okay, so over the course of 12 years with the Flyers, 741 games is third overall with the team for centers. Second overall in goals, third overall in assists, and third overall in scoring. And obviously this isn't, you know, the most sought-after stat, but he was a plus 183. Yep, I'm not going to repeat it, but you know how I feel when it's that high. Yep, better than being lower. Yep, for sure. Oh, yeah. but I mean, For sure. I'm trying to think here. I thought I had some stuff written down, but I didn't. Um, oh, well, you know, I think we made our point pretty clear when it comes to Rick McLeish here. Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing about Rick McLeish, right, is it's like if you look, if you put him in any other era, I think you would remember his name a lot more. But because of the team that he was on and all the great people, he kind of gets lost. But then again, if he wasn't with that group of people, he probably wouldn't have been a Stanley Cup champion. You're right. And the stat that I said that I hadn't written down, I just found out that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, playoff points, 105, good for second for centers and fourth overall on the Flyers. 105 points in how many playoff games? Do you have that or no? Playoff games, McLeish played in 108. Wow. Yes, he was Pretty over a good. point. He was over a point per game in the playoffs, better than who number one was. Mm-hmm. And he also had more goals. He was the number one playoff goal scorer for the Flyers centers with 53. I wonder if somebody in the 70s was on typewriter Twitter saying that he stunk in the playoffs. Probably. 
that's the motivation that probably lit a fire up under him, got him going. Right. Yeah, typewriter Twitter is a little bit harder though because like you, it's hard for everybody else to see it. You have to type it out, and then you got to go to one of those stores that has like one of the only copy machines in the state, and then you got to make a bunch of copies and put it in everybody's mailbox. It just it's not as effective. Yeah, and if you like something, you got to like – I don't even know what they did back then if you like their – I'll tell you exactly what they did. They stepped right out the front door and they went, I like this tweet. Now, what did they do for retweets? Um, They just double-tapped the piece of paper. I like that. Yeah, nobody else saw it, but – It's the sim- symbolism of it. Right. I mean it was the beginning of Twitter. You got to remember that they had to get all this ironed out. You're like our Twitter historian. Where are we going with this? We're going on to our number two (laughs) best center of all time for the Flyers. All right. Good. Now, McLeish was your number three. Yep. Your number two, I'm assuming, is probably the same as mine. If it's not the same, I'm leaving. Okay. My number two center of all time, Mm -hmm. Adam Oates. Shut up. (laughs) Vinny LeCavalier. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Will you just say it already? <laughs> None other than Eric Lindros. Uh, I had Bobby Clark. I will drive to your house <laughs> and set it on fire. Well, that would be very nice. I have You're other right. people who live here. Well, they'll get a warning. Don't worry. Okay. All right. <laughs> anyway, yes, Eric Lindros. Yes. there. I'm not going to lie to you. I have a whole page of notes here, and I'm not going to go through it all. It's just for my I- knowledge – his whole career was just something out of, I don't even know. His short career. That's it's, the crazy part about it all. It's the I mean, unfortunate part as well. Well, oh yeah, of course. But I mean, he essentially had eight productive seasons. Yeah. And most of them came with the Flyers, thankfully. Right. I mean, he fell off by age 26. Like, that's when people start to hit their prime. Right. Yeah, I'm 28 right now, and I'm I feel like I'm in my prime. Oh, I'm past my prime. I mean, when it comes to certain things, other things, I'm definitely past my prime. But yeah. Uh, anyway, Eric Lindros. <laughs> yes, Eric Lindros, first overall pick the year that I was born, 1991. Quebec Nordiques drafted him, and he threw a fit. Didn't want to play for him. <laughs> the very next year at the draft, they traded him. It was that part of that you know whole conundrum with the Rangers submitting an mm. offer and the Flyers. Flyers were awarded the trade and had to throw in Chris Simon and a 1994 first rounder as well on top of Forsberg, Ricci, Kerry Huffman, Steve Duchesne, Ron Hextall, and two other first round picks plus fifteen million dollars. I know. That's a wild. Price. Yeah, it is. Do you hate people like that? The ones that are like, I'm not playing here. I, I do. Yeah, like, me too. I mean, I love what Eric Lindros did for the Flyers, but there's always going to be a part of me that just has a little bit of disrespect for that. I can't yeah. help it. It's the same thing with John Elway. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not playing there. And like Eli right. Manning with the Chargers as well. Uh, right. Right. You know? Like, you know what? You were just drafted first overall into the best league of the sport you're playing. Shut up and go play there. Yeah, you got three years of an entry level contract. Once those three years are up, go wherever you want to go. Right. That but, being said, I do love Eric Lindros and what he did for the Flyers. So nobody yell at me. I just think that part sucks. Yeah, there's really not another player I can think of that was just as dominant as Eric Lindros was. Right. 
you know, 486 games, which doesn't rank in the top five, but who cares? He's fourth overall in scoring for the centers with 659 points in that span. And he had a 17.6% shot percentage. Pretty, oh, wow. Yeah, almost one out of every almost five shots went in the net for him, which is pretty nifty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 57 points in 50 playoff games. The guy was just there. And we've seen it a lot on Twitter with the people arguing because there's been that argument being thrown around. Who's better, Rue, Lindros, Clark, da 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 da? Like, right. There, a lot of people are saying that they grew up watching Lindros. I was young. It was hard for me to really appreciate his game at that time. Yeah, same with me. But he was such a physically commanding individual when he was on that ice. Him, LeClaire, Renberg, part of the Legion of Doom line. Yep. People feared that line. Like People were legitimately scared because if if you were on the puck and they were coming at you, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, just Lindros himself, 6'4", 240. Is that what he was? Something along those lines? Yeah, and I'm, guys I'm like that now are goons. Right, I'm looking at hockey, hockey reference. I mean, they wouldn't have his weight that he weighs now, right? Like, no, but he... Feet. I he, mean, I've seen a few pictures. He might still be 240. He looks a little swollen, I guess. Yeah, he's a little right. swole. Yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty big now. But, I mean, yeah. he's still big when he played. The guy was a hoss. Yeah, um, I mean... The thing with him, too, Derek, is, like, it's always tough when you play, like, that what-if factor, mm-hmm. right? But he's somebody that I have no problem playing the what-if game with because... He's the biggest imagine, what if. Right. Imagine if this guy stayed healthy and he didn't have those concussion problems. I mean, he probably would have topped this list. Oh, I, in my opinion, no question. I think he would have. Yeah. You know, and it's no slight on who we have at number one, but that's just how right. dominant Eric Lindros was when he was on top of his game. Right. Yeah. You know, to really build off of that, too, he was the fourth fastest player to 300 points in the NHL, only behind Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, and Peter Stastny. He was the fourth mm. fastest player to 400 points as well, behind those same three. Yep. Fifth fastest to 500 behind. Gretzky, Lemieux, Stastny, and Mike Bossy. And then the right. sixth fastest to 600 points behind Gretzky, Lemieux, Stastny, Bossy, and Yari Curry. That's Well, that's that's good company. It took him 429 games to get to 600 points. Yep. That's, that's pretty good. That's dominance. Utter dominance. <laughs> yeah. Yo, he finished his career in Dallas. He did. It, it was uh, not the greatest way to send somebody like him off, but no, no, happened. not at all. But yeah, it's like one of those. Have you ever see those articles? It's like, can you believe they played there? Yeah, yeah. That, well, that that one is is one for me. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he uh, he was a six time All Star. He was the last Flyer to win an individual award, and he won the Hart Trophy in '95. Really. Yeah, that season he also won the Lester B. Pearson Award, which we talked about last show with Mike. Uh, it's mm. now the Ted Lindsay Award for the NHL Players Association's Player of the Year. Um, the guy just, he was, and I've said it 30 times already, he was just so dominant. You know, he was, right. I guess, if you're going to think of a comparable right now, 
I almost would compare him to a Sidney Crosby, but more physical. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. Like that not, was not as much whining and complaining. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's that's Crosby's trademark, really. Right. But, I mean, Lindros would handle his own business, not have somebody else take care of it for him. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, we were talking about how he came into the league and his gripe with the uh, Quebec Nordiques. Mm-hmm. I I do have a bit of a gripe with him with how he handled most of his time, especially towards the end with the Flyers. Right. Um, the training staff stuff I get. I understand. He suffered a lot of concussions and some of them not diagnosed correctly. Mm-hmm. A one time it could have ended his life. Um, right, if, definitely. If it hadn't have been for Keith Jones finding him in that bathtub, right. But he also, when his, when he became an RFA after the ninety nine two thousand season, he refused to sign an offer from Philadelphia because that offer had a minor league provision in it, and he he wasn't cleared to play at this point because he had already suffered concussions, um, mm-hmm. and then a setback during rehab. He had another concussion during rehab, which. I don't know how that happens, but it did. Right. And then, so he sat out even after he was cleared, and Philly didn't want to acquiesce to his preferred trade destination, which was Toronto. So they let him sit out that season and finally traded him to New York, the Rangers, for Jan Havlik, uh, Kim Janssen, Pavel Brendel, and a third-round pick, which ended up being Stefan Ruzica. Hmm. I mean, yeah, he was always a bit of a prima donna. Yeah, as evidenced by... You know, the first Almost. day in the NHL. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't love that either. I just, I like the Ovechkins of the world. They just go out and do their thing and chug beer out of the Stanley Cup. God, I envy that man <laughs> immensely. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. You know, you can't, you can't ignore how great of a player it was, but unfortunately that all that extra stuff kind of puts a little asterisk. For me, at least, like when I talk about him. It does. But all personal stuff aside, Lindros was one of the best centers the Flyers ever had. And if we're going to play that what-if game again, could have been one of the best centers to ever play the game. For shizzle. Yeah. So we finally get to our unanimous number one, which, folks, you listening in the car right now, on the train, wherever you're at, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to do the honors, John? Bobby Clark. Yes, Bobby sir. Clark, do, 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 do. Bobby Clark. Do, 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 do. <laughs> that was my head slamming on the desk. <laughs> Listen, I've heard that song about 17 times today. And when I was going over my list, I was like, I'm singing Bobby Clark. Do, 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 do. And I did. <laughs> thanks. Uh, thanks for the heads up. I appreciate that. <laughs> but yes, it is Bobby Clark do 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 do. <laughs> he is our unanimous number 1, which when you look at his career, what he's done, the points that he put up, just his I don't even know what to what to say. <laughs> I mean right. I mean, yeah, I can do a little bit. I can do this. I can yeah. be Derek. I Ready? took I took I'm... most of these. You take it. Well, I'm not going to give you numbers, but I'll go first in points, first in assists, first in games played, fourth in goals, 32 shorthanded goals, two-time Stanley Cup champion, and he was the captain, three-time, that's right, three-time Hart Memorial tr- Trophy winner, four-time All-Star, Masterson Trophy, Selkie winner, and Hall of Famer. What else do you need? 
we need him on the team right now. Right. <laughs> he he wasn't a great um uh what's that word when you like general manager type thing. Yeah. So wasn't there a lot of problems with him? Yeah, uh, yeah, his problems stemmed a lot with um Lindros too. Mm. So they tied in together yeah. as well. But right. overall, if we're looking at playing career just that, you know, mm-hmm. there's no other person that deserves to be at the number one spot aside from Bobby Clark. No. No, he no. he has franchise records in assists, points, playoff assists, and playoff points. He has he actually his first year in the league, he lost out on the Calder trophy to Tony Esposito, who came in first, Bill Fairbarn and Keith Magnuson. Which looking back okay. on it now, okay, you know, Tony Esposito, I get it, but yep. the other two, man, they right. screwed that one up. But but anyways, he just man, they drafted him in the second round too, which amazes me because we talked a little bit about this the um last week with our busts, because in the yep. first round they drafted who did they draft in the first round? It was that was that was that um Bob Courier. Uh yeah, yep. Yep, he was one of my busts last week. I think it was my number one bust, I, b- I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um but uh Jerry Melnick was the one that convinced Bud Poyle, the GM of the Flyers at the time to draft Clark in the second round because he was still on the board. Detroit yep. and Montreal both immediately contacted Philadelphia with offers, and Montreal's offer was said to be an offer that the quote Flyers management could hardly refuse, end quote. Man, imagine if they didn't refuse it. I'm surely glad that they did right. refuse it because we wouldn't have two Stanley Cups, I'm pretty sure. Right. I mean, that's the coolest thing about Bobby Clark. You know, he was an awesome player, but no one expected him to even play. Like, they thought that his diabetes problems back then were going to prevent him from playing. Diabetes. Jesus. Sorry. But, yeah, they – I mean, if it weren't for his coach taking him to that uh, – what was I can't remember the name of the camp that he took him to. But it mm-hmm. really put his name on the radar. It was up in Minnesota, I believe. And that put his name on the radar for a lot of different NHL teams. But – his diabetes really raised a bunch of red flags for a lot of the franchises involved in that draft. And if it weren't for, like I said, Jerry Melnick, right. Clark would have been a flyer. I know. And thank- well, thanks, Jerry. Yes, Jerry. If you're listening, thank you. We greatly appreciate that. Is, is, is Jerry still alive? I don't know. All right. Well, if you're if, if you are and you're listening, thanks, Jerry. And if you're not and you still are listening somehow, thanks. <laughs> all right but to build this, off that this, too this is getting off the rails <laughs> it is to to kind of you know regather here he had 950 assist seasons he had 430 goal seasons and three 100 point seasons awesome right there, what other word is there to describe that awesome oh i love the miz <laughs> I'm a dork right, when it comes so to yeah. wrestling. But yeah, regardless, we're Hooray not going off you, the rails Bobby again. Clark. Yeah, so that's our top yep. five, folks. With John's top five, we have number five, Claude Giroux. Number four, Rob yep. Brindamore. Three, Rick McLeish. Two, Eric Lindros. And one, Bobby Clark. With me, yep. 
all it is is just Giroud and Bruno Moore flip-flopped, and then the top three remains the same. Now, I figured we would go... Do you want to go busts first because we can end on a high note with the underrated? Sure. Let's do that. So, the busts. Who do you have at number three? Number three, I have Glenn Seabrook. Um, He was selected 21st overall in 1985. Unfortunately, I mean, he was a bust, but it was because of injuries. Um, They really ended his career at the age of 21. Unfortunately, in that same draft, the Flyers missed out on Joe Neuendijk with the 27th overall pick and Mike Richter with the 28th overall pick. Uh, That's rough. Yeah. Yeah. That is very rough. But, I mean... Again, I'm sorry, Glenn, that I'm calling you a bust. I know it wasn't your fault you got injured, but uh, it kind of stinks when you draft somebody in the first round and it, you know, is over by age of 21. Of course, you know the disappointment factor in it is really the biggest key to it. You know, it's not necessarily he was a bust, but it was disappointing how his career unfolded. Yep. Yeah. My number three, I have Adam Oates. Okay. Uh, at the time. Philadelphia traded a first, second, and third round pick in the O2 draft and Maxime Ouellette. But he was a bust in his own. He was. Right. And with yep. those picks, Washington selected Martin Wagner, Maxime De- Maxime Degnot, and Derek Kristanovich. Which uh Wagner was he never made the NHL. Dagnol okay. was a career AHLer at best and Kostanovich was a career ECHLer. So, in hindsight, this wasn't a right. terrible trade, and that's why I have him at three. But nowadays, I mean, a first, second, yeah. and third round pick, it's uh, for 10 yeah. points in 14 games during the regular season, two points in five playoff games, and then he walked during free agency. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's unheard of now. Yeah. So that's why I have him at number three, at least. Number two. All right. Would you like to take Number this two. one? Sure. I have Larry Wright. Ah, interesting. So the Flyers drafted Wright eighth overall in 1971. He played 40 games with the Flyers from 1972 until the 75-76 season and only scored one goal and two assists. It makes it even a bigger bust when you think about who they met, uh, missed out on. Two Hall of Famers, Terry O'Reilly. He went 14th overall, and Larry Robinson, who went 20th overall. See, that's, man, I like the way you went with this, looking at who they could have had instead. Yeah, well, that was, um, Mike, what he did last week yeah. kind of inspired me. Of course, I like it's the it. last one of these, but. I'm going to start, I'm going to I'm gonna give you a nickname. Are you ready for this? Sure. We're going to call you Johnny Heat Maps. I'm going to find you and burn your house down. Don't you ever, ever compare me to that fart nugget again. Fart nugget. Good God. <laughs> my, my number two, if we're going to move on from this, which I, you know, I like the way you went because that's typically how I would go too. Right. But I couldn't leave this guy off the list. Okay. Vinny LeCavalier. Oh, he's my number one. Ooh. Well, yep. he... For me, and it's tough because he was switched over to the left wing. Mm -hmm. But when he joined the Flyers and he signed that ridiculous five-year, $22.5 million deal, he was a center. Yep. 
And he just, after they moved him to the left wing, he was quoted uh, in an interview with somebody saying, I just, like, I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, but he was not good at left wing, and he knew. Right. And he just, he played 133 games for the Flyers, scored 58 points, and he was on the decline. You know, we all knew that. But, you know, many of us thought that he'd be able to contribute and at a much higher level than he did. And Hextall was reluctant to really deal him along with Luke Shen and get rid of him. Right. I mean, this is an interesting one because, like, he's a bust, but this is the Flyers' brass fault. Like, they should have never signed this guy to a five-year deal. 100%. Now, also, I have to add that Vinny LeCavalier is one of my favorite non-Flyers of all time. I agree. So, when he came to the team, I was pumped. I even had a jersey with Le Cavalier's name on the back. I was so excited because I was a big fan of his. Unfortunately, just didn't work. Yeah. It's I I always had a I always had and still do have an immense amount of respect for that man and what he yep. accomplished in Tampa Bay. Um, yep. ever since they ousted the Flyers in the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, that was I I fell in love with Le Cavalier when that happened. Yep. And I even rooted for Tampa Bay that year. But right. it's it's crazy. I'm sorry. We're gonna go on a little bit of a tailspin here for a quick second. Oh, no, you're good. When he when he was drafted, I believe it was either Tampa Bay, probably Tampa Bay's owner, said that he was gonna be the Michael Jordan of hockey. Oh, lofty yeah, comparison. And, yeah, and I mean, he never became that obviously. But I mean, he was a great player for the Lightning. <laughs> but it was it was insane to see. The such high expectations that were for him. You could say like a Larry Bird, you know? Yeah. But, and he's your number one. We yep, covered that. He's my number one. Yep. My number one, we're going to backtrack for a second here. I actually put Glenn Seabrook, and it's because of the disappointment factor. Right. You know, Seabrook, he was drafted 21st overall in 85. Only played 19 games, and with the injury that he had, he crashed into a goalpost, severely injured his yeah. shoulder. 21 years old, man. That's, oh, Yeah, I mean, essentially, think about it. Like, everything you've been working towards, and then, boom, you have to come up with something different for the rest of your life, essentially. Yeah. He actually filed, uh, he sued team doctors for improperly rushing his rehab process and caused permanent damage to his left arm. And in 1995, he was awarded a $5.5 million settlement. Wow. Yeah. And he played two seasons uh, around, uh, not full seasons, but seasons in the AHL when Hershey was the affiliate with the Flyers. He Mm. was really good. You know, he had 126 points in 124 games, I believe. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, he was great, and he was 21. He was going to develop. He was going to be a right. solid contributor at the NHL level, and it all just came crashing down into the goalpost. Yep. Yeah, I that, that was... That was, yeah, that, that was, was like poetic doom yeah, right that was, there. That, I apologize for that one, sincerely. That all right. Bad rhetoric there. Um, but those were good busts. I mean, the only one that you didn't have that I had was Larry Wright. Yeah, and, and that's who I had with Adam Oates. Right. Yep. Yeah, so All the right. underrated section here. Yep. Number three. This was an interesting list for me. 
I know. I this one was tough for me to put together as well. Yeah. I had right. Mike Richards. Start? Yeah, I'm going to start because I already said it. <laughs> but please tell me. Wait, say it again because I think we have the same guy at three. Mike Richards. Yeah. Oh, jackpot! Look at that. The guy just. I mean, my main criteria for this was the fact that he was just incredible during his 2010 Stanley Cup run with the Flyers. Captain of the yep. team. He had, let's see here, in that Stanley Cup run, 23 games, 23 points. And that same year, I believe it was the same year, it was the year of the shift. You remember that. Mm-hmm. Actually, yep. one of my first articles I ever wrote was comparing that shift to Giroux's shift against the Penguins in the playoffs. All right. And it was, I just, I could not believe it. Like, watching it, that live, I was jumping yeah. out of my seat. It's one of the craziest, I mean, videos, even just watching it today. Oh, yeah. Like, there should be, someone should dub that over with the Titanic music. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, 63 playoff games overall with the Flyers, 50 points. And then in 453 games, he had 349 points. Yep. He was second in Selkie voting during the 09 uh, trophy season. Oh, wow. Lost out to Pavel Datsuk. Hey, well, there you go. You know he's got an NHL record as well. Does he? Most five-on-three shorthanded goals. Really? Three of them. It's not much, but considering it's well, a five-on-three. five-on-three. Yeah, no one's ever trying to score on a five-on-three. That's a task Except right for there. Mike Rissards. Yeah, ballsy, baby. Yeah. You know what made him underrated for me? What is it? I think that if you go up to a Flyer fan right now and you go, quick, Mike Richards, they're just going to be like, bad contract that the Flyers traded and they got Wayne Simmons and Braden Shen, you know? So they think about like the trade and what we got and kind of sparked this whole youth movement, right? Oh, yeah. Um, where we kind of almost forget just how great he was with the Flyers. It's very true. You know, and then, I mean, it ends up working out. Yes, he won a Stanley Cup with the Kings, but he wasn't much of an offensive contributor, really, on the Kings. I mean, his total, I mean, his highest was 44 points the next season. He was typically a second or third line center for those guys. Right. Which you're tasked with a lot of defensive zone draws, you're yep. tasked with being a defensive-minded center, which, as evident by his second place in Selkie voting in 09, he was. Right. I mean, you know? and that contract was just dumb. Oh, 12 years. Right. Him and the Carter contract. Oh. Yeah, well, yeah. that's just a conversation for a different time. But getting rid of him got Brzezgalov, so it all worked out, right? So, oh, yeah. Worked <laughs> yeah. out great. <laughs> so we're unanimous with number three. Number two, who do you have? Sean Couturier. Oh, I love it. I love that. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe not in Flyer land. Maybe not when we're talking about Flyer fans. But I think when you're talking about the NHL as a whole, this guy is incredibly underrated. Criminally. I mean, you just don't realize that what he, he produces offensively, he matches defensively. The guy is just a phenomenal two-way player that doesn't get the credit that he deserves and i'm not even going to bother going into numbers because i mean we're we're all familiar with it yeah but the guy just doesn't get the respect he deserves 
from a NHL holistic standpoint, in my opinion. So I felt pretty good putting him at two. As a, I believe it was as a rookie, and I could be wrong here, so correct me if I am. But he shut down Malkin right. and his line yep. in the playoffs that year. Yep, I'm pretty sure he was a rookie too. Yeah, that's think of that. Think you're a rookie, you know, 20 years old, 21, 22 maybe, and your coach says, "Hey, go out on the ice and shut down one of the best centers in the game right now." I'm yep. pooping my pants. Oh yeah, <laughs> but Kateria was up for it and he did it. Yeah, awesome. Who was your two? My number two, Ken Linsman. Hmm. Which this, you know, much with like last week, we talked about how there were just names we left off the list that deserve to be mentioned. Ken Linsman's one of those guys because he had 257 points in 269 games, which wasn't enough to really put him on the charts with the top 10. But he was just, I mean, he that was that's dominating. Like that's yeah, that's a dominant game. 53 yep. points in 41 playoff games. A lot of them were assists, which, you know, I should mention. But that, you know, he was a playmaking. He was a playmaking center. And even on his way out, he was traded with Greg Adams for Mark Howe. So he okay. helped us on his way out. Like, I think we mentioned two episodes ago with a couple trades. Right. Yeah. No, that works, man. Yeah. That's, that's all I've got to say about that. I mean, my number one will be brief with because we've actually already touched on him. Uh, Rick McLeish. Ooh. You know, I think that because of the other players on the team, especially Bobby Clark, he was kind of overshadowed. So when we think of, like, the great players on that team, I think maybe his name gets left out sometimes. Yeah. So he's one of the best flyers ever, but at the same time, I don't think we're always giving him the most credit. So I felt like putting him on the uh, on the old number one for the underrateds. Kudos to you. I, I like oh. that thought process. Well, thank you. I have Dave Poulin as my number one. Okay. Dave Poulin played in 467 games and put up 394 points with 233 of them being assists, 161 goals. In 1987, Dave Poulin won the Selkie Award. Okay. He finished fourth in Calder voting during his rookie season in 84. He was the one that succeeded Bobby Clark as the captain in 84 and 85. And for three years, I believe, he played on a line with Tim Kerr and Brian Propp. Nice. That almost, that definitely aided in his scoring there. Um, sure. He was inducted into the Flyers Hall of Fame in 04. Pulling, like, much like you said with McLeish, doesn't get the respect that he deserves, in my opinion. So... Here I am, screaming his name from the mountaintop that is Pod Street Bullies. Well, there you go. Yeah. Now, I also wanted to bring one more person up. Sure. Danny Briere. Yeah. I, I mean... I wouldn't say underrated, but he needs to be recognized. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. He oh, was yeah. an absolute machine in the playoffs. And I don't have numbers. I'm not going to go in-depth about it. I just wanted to throw his name out there because Danny Briere deserves a lot of credit for his time with the Philadelphia Flyers. I agree 100%. Perfect. Then, as long as we're in agreement here, we're going to move on to our next segment. What the f***? Our Wait What segment, which for this week, I'm vaguely um, aware of what John's going to say, but... 
I also wrote down mine in the Google Doc, and we're going to go ahead with this because, folks, it's a doozy. Let Are me you going to say it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to it. I'm turning Jeez. my page. So I, when I was doing my research, I was looking at other lists that people had written down, you know, top five centers, top ten, whatever it may be, just to kind of see if there was any interesting little tidbits of information in those that I could use to bolster my argument. I came across one article that ranked the top five centers of all time for the Flyers. Now, this was written back in May of 2013, so it's a bit dated, and it was featured on Bleacher Report, which our work has been featured on Bleacher Report as well, but this was an actual author of Bleacher Report. Number five, Murray Craven. And I'm going to rip this apart name by name here, so... Murray Craven isn't listed as a center. He's listed as a left winger. So, Hmm. way to go, pal. You screwed it up from the get-go. Which, I forgot to mention, honorable mention was Jeremy Roenick, which, okay. Sure. Yeah, alright. Number four, Dave Pullen. Okay. Uh, Not bad. I I can, you know, see it, but I don't agree with it. Number three, Mike Richards. Jesus. This was before Claude Giroux emerged. Okay, but still, we, I mean, four of the guys on our list. Yeah. No, exactly. You're right. Number two, Eric Lindros, and number one, Bobby Clark. Number one and two? Okay. Right. Good job. You got a 40% on this one, which is still failing, moron. Um, That's pretty bad. But Mike Richards at three? Come on. The guy didn't mention Rick McLeish. Didn't even mention Rod Brindamore. And the guy, who was I pushing around... We talked about it. I'm looking at my notes and I can't quite come up with it. But there was another guy I was going to put there. I, no, no, no mention of Danny Briere, and you know I wouldn't expect Sean Couturier because obviously very well, very yeah. early. Even a guy like Mel Bridgman, you know, or I just man Pelly Eklund. We didn't even mention him, but like he had great stats. Uh, right. Well, it I just, mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is that McLeish's career was far done before 2013. There's no reason he shouldn't be on that list. I mean, Rod Brendamore should be on the list. To have Mike Richards at three, that's yeah, stupid. It's egregious, and I'm even going to mention his name because I don't care. Michael Pistolio. Mm. You're a dunce. Right. Sorry. Well, not sorry. I mean, that was like six years ago, so maybe you're not a dunce anymore. You're still a dunce. All Go right. on with yours. Well, mine is the Kevin Hayes thing. Uh, now, here's the thing. I tweeted that out. We're not going to talk about this, but I'll grant an exception. You tweeted out we weren't going to talk about this? I did, Like, but whatever. But why aren't we not going to talk about it? I just, I don't, I don't know. I Everybody overpays in free agency. That's my opinion on it. You know, who gives a yeah. crap? No, I know. I just thought that this was kind of interesting. I think this is kind of – first of all, if you don't know what we're talking about, apparently Frank Cervelli said on the Snow the Goalie podcast um, that Kevin Hayes told somebody that he was only going to sign with the Flyers if they overpaid him. Right? In a nutshell, that's essentially what it is. Um, It's just a really crappy thing to come out because – already this guy like we're looking at it and going wow we already we overpaid for this guy he never wanted to be here in the first place and now this comes out it's just a real crappy way to start your first uh 
your first season with a team you're going to be a part of for seven years. Seven years, yeah. That's yeah. What... So, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how true it is, and I try to stay away from the whole hearsay thing, but there's nothing else really big going on in hockey right now. Hopefully, um, hopefully he can come out and deny it. That'd be nice. It would be, but let's be honest. I think Hayes just has a grasp on reality because he probably understands that any team that wanted to sign him was going to have to overpay because, you know, in most circles, he was the number two center available in free agency. So call it a a grasp on reality on Kevin Hayes' part. Call it him just, you know, I I don't even know what else to call it. But I I get it. I understand his thought process when saying that. Yeah, and I do want to kind of speak to fans. Like, take this with a very, very fine grain of salt. Don't make this a reason to hate this guy. I mean, you know, who knows if he even really said it. Something could have been taken out of context. Yeah. And he was and he was talking with a buddy. Yeah, we say a lot of stuff to our friends that not right. always holds true. <laughs> exactly. So, I don't know. I just had to bring that up a little bit even though Derek though you didn't tell me we weren't going to talk about it no but I figured that you have access to our you know Twitter account you could see that but regardless it's just been chasing around my wild two-year-old the past few days I haven't got to see that one I guess yeah hey I understand dude I get it all right anyway anyways we're gonna move to your favorite part of this show here the Twitter questions folks I'm gonna be frank here for a second again (laughs) <laughs> uh, don't even t- stop with the Frank joke. All right, I'm going to be brutally honest then. We're not okay. getting enough questions, and you folks are slacking, so we want more. People are on vacation, Derek. I don't care. I was on vacation, and I did this podcast from the Outer Banks. Well, listen, you know there's not a whole lot to talk about. I mean, I'm looking at these questions now, and three or four of them have to do with the same player. Listen, there's so. a couple good ones, though. Yeah. No, it'll get interesting. Let's get right to it, dude. Let's do it. Chadley. Chadley asks, will Giroux retire from hockey in a Flyers sweater? Yes. Um. So you're gonna you're just going to go yes? I'm going to go yes, but I'll explain it here after you give your answer. I mean, yes, but if for some reason the Flyers fail miserably this year, maybe not. Here's my reasoning behind this. How many times in pro sports have you seen players that have been traded by the team that they had the most success with sign a quote-unquote one-day contract just so that they can retire? You know what I mean? That's the kind of caveat right there. Do they do that in the NHL, though? I believe so. I mean, Emmett Smith did it with uh, the Cowboys. Yeah, but that's not hockey. But it's sports, and you know what? Sports, um, right? I just I have a hard time thinking Claude Giroux is not going to retire officially as a Flyer. All right, but do you think he's going to play every game of his career as a Flyer? I do. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think so, but if this team continues to underperform, you know, he's going to be the scapegoat. He has to be. He. Doesn't necessarily have to be, but he will be. You're right in that regard. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I I think he will. That's just my opinion. 
Yeah, I mean, I do too. I would just like to put the the butt in there. I'm about throwing a butt in there. Kinky. <laughs> Anyways, the next question comes from Mr. Schmuck Fletcher. And Schmuck here asks, We know Haig is the worst defenseman on our roster, but should he really be getting all the hate that he has been getting? He's played two full seasons and produced 20 points. Yes, his defending has been suspect. Doesn't he deserve a shot? with a real coach, and can he improve? Can I take this yes. to start? Yes, you can. For some reason, we always need to pick a defenseman to hate. So it's like, once Andrew McDonald left, we needed to make Robert Haig the worst defenseman. You know what? He's not the best defenseman in the NHL. He's not the best defenseman on the team. He's not even top four, top five. But he's not horrible. I think we need to give this poor guy a break. You know, he he's going to probably be the seventh defenseman on the team. That's a great role for him. This is so remnant of the Brandon Manning situation. Well, yeah, we just need to find somebody. It it's kind of pathetic. It is. There's always got to be a scapegoat on the blue line. It has to be on the blue line. It, it's never, you know, well, Voracek's not shooting enough. Or right. uh, that's obviously a different argument. People have right. made that argument. But someone on the blue line is always the scapegoat. And Haig has been that scapegoat and will continue to be now that McDonald is gone. I don't get it because, one, he's still young. There's right. room to improve, I, right. I believe. No, but his metrics. Shut up. Right. Anyways, and two, his contract is he's barely making over a million dollars. Right. I mean, who cares if he stinks at this point? Exactly. You know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. We've got a guy like Sam Morin waiting in the wings making less than a million dollars who could probably plug that hole. I just, I I hate this. It's like, you know, not every player on the team is going to be a stud. That's just the reality of it. Not everybody's going to have a, a Corsi of 60 or, you know, uh, shots against that went in the net against 27-year-olds on a Thursday. You know, it's not going to be above 50%. Whatever. I don't care. He, he doesn't but, have to jump out off the fancy stats page at me. He's got a job yeah. to do, and if he does it well enough, comparable to what his contract says, I'm okay with it. Right. I mean, he's not somebody we're going to invest in. And that's okay. You're right. But for this season, I'm fine with him being a seventh defenseman. Exactly. And this piggybacks into our next question from Shane Moon. What are yep. they going to do with Robert Haig? Make him a seventh defenseman and then let him go in free agency. Unless, for some reason, he shows more. Yeah. And they've got expiring contracts on the blue line next year with Niskanen. Right. Uh, Braun has two more years, if I'm not mistaken. No, Braun has one. One. That's Niskanen right. Niskanen has two. That's right. So Braun will be gone. So maybe Haig sticks around on a, a cheap contract. I, there's worse things to worry about. Right. But they're not going to trade this guy because there's no market for him. Absolutely. That leads us to our next question from Jenna the Flyers fan who asks, who will be the first Flyer to score this season? Yes, including Konechny and Provorov. Didn't Jenna already ask this question? Is she the same one that asked this question? If she isn't the same one that asked this question, someone definitely did ask this before, and I'm going to reiterate what I said the first time. Which is the whoever takes over the third wing spot. Third line winger spot. Mm-hmm. Rupsaw, oh, yeah. Farabee, Frost, right. Rack, whoever it may be, 
they're going to score yep. that goal, and the Wells Fargo Center's roof is going to just blow off and probably land on the Prudential Center in New Jersey. Let's hope. I'm going to say the same thing I think I said. Ke- okay. uh, Kevin Hayes. Yeah, you he's said gonna... Kevin Hayes hat trick. Yeah, Kevin Hayes hat trick, and then he's never going to score again. Until December. Right. Yep. <laughs> I'm okay. sticking with it. Hey, ballsy, and I like it. We're going to move on to Bobby. Bobby, actually, this question I really liked. I yeah, this is an interesting one. Yeah, he asks for the Seattle for the Seattle draft purpose. Is it smart to leave our top prospects down in the AHL for one more season rather than one maybe get thirty to fifty points, then get drafted if they're not protected? He also adds, "I'm not sure how many players they can mark protected from the draft." I'm a bit familiar with this because I wrote a piece on it. Uh, not on it, but it included some facts about the expansion draft when I talked about Sanheim. Yep. You need, I believe it's three years of NHL pro experience, not NHL so, pro. I'm looking at it right now. Okay. I pulled up the list. It says all first and second year NHL players mm-hmm. and all unsigned draft choices will be exempt from selection and will not be counted toward protection limits. Is it NHL or is it professional? Because it the AHL NA- counts. It says NHL players. Oh, so most of our young guys are going to be protected because it's happening next offseason. 2021. Yep. So not next offseason, two offseasons from now. Right. We're right. going to have some trouble. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, what does that consist of? Is it. Like, how, how many games do you have to play? I'm not familiar. I'd have to do some more research on it as well. But uh, I was also under on. the... Yep. I'm, I'm looking here. All okay. right. So, at played at least... It says one defenseman... Hold on a second. I'm just going to read it. Okay. In addition, all NHL teams must meet the following minimum requirements regarding players exposed for the selection and the draft. One defenseman who is under contract for... In 2021-22 and played at least 40 NHL games the prior season or played at least 70 NHL games the prior two seasons. That's the same thing for forwards. So they have to have at least 70 NHL games under their belt. Which means they'll have to probably protect a guy like Phil Myers. Yeah. So and that would leave somebody like Goss Despair probably unprotected. Right. So his question has to do more with the, the prospects, like keeping them down, right? Yeah, the prospects will be ineligible for that draft. If we're talking Farabee, Frost, Ratcliffe, they'll all be but ineligible. Will they, though? Because I'm pretty sure. Say, well, say Frost, say Frost or Farabee makes the team out of camp, right, this year. Very true. They play the full season. The next year they play the full season, that's over 70 games, and that's two years. Then you protect them, and you leave a guy like Hayes. Well, you can't leave Hayes because of his no-movement clause or no-trade clause. Van Riemsdyk or Voracek? Right. So so this guy is saying that would you keep them in the AHL? If it's it's tricky. If the Flyers are going to contend, and a guy right. like Farabee, Frost, Ratcliffe, Etc. Etc. is going to contribute to that winning at the NHL level. You don't say, "Hey, we'd rather just 
keep him down so that we don't have to right. protect him. You, you play to win. You play exactly. to win the game. You know. <laughs> no, I mean that's a hundred percent right. I got it. I had a similar question a few weeks back on my mailbag too, and I had said the same thing. You know, when it comes to this season, Fletcher's going to put the best team he has on the ice. And if that's one of the rookies, then that, I mean, that's what he's going to do. I mean, one of the prospects and that's what he's going to do. And he's going to figure that out later. Yeah. That's, that's essentially two years away. Mm -hmm. A lot of time for a lot of things to develop. Anything could happen between now and then. Right. But they're not going anywhere. They're going to be protected. Yeah. And don't, you know, discount the fact that there could obviously be handshake agreements in place with whoever the GM would be. Ron Francis, I apologize. It is Ron Francis, not whoever it could be. Um, The Flyers and Chuck Fletcher could obviously offer up, you know, a first-round pick to protect a guy like whoever would take the third-winger spot, third-line winger spot, uh, Goss Despair, whoever they value more. Things like that could happen. Right, for sure. Yeah, say, hey, we're not going to protect this guy, you know, but you can't take him. We'll give you a first-round pick. Take it. Yep. All right, so this next one comes from Robert. Yep. Can we, for the love of Benjamin Franklin, move on, move Haig, and get something back, please? Robert has been wanting to move Haig for quite some time. I don't think you're getting anything back for him. I don't think there's anyone interested in Robert Haig. No. There's nobody yeah. interested in Haig. Yeah. Yeah. I Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The 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 fixation on Haig, I get it because he's a polarizing guy because everybody hates him, but nothing's going to happen with him right, right now. So, yep. moving on to Robert's uh next question and our final question, which department do you think will improve the most with the three new coaches? You've got power play, penalty kill, five on five scoring, five on five defense, and goaltending. This is tough. I'm going penalty kill. Yeah, I am too, just because it's the biggest problem. Yeah, and an article I wrote a while back touched on Vino's first season with a new team and how the penalty kill on virtually every team he's taken over has improved drastically. Mm-hmm. He took a bottom half, if not one of the worst PKs in the league, and took them to first place the very next year. So I have faith that if not Vino, whoever's going to be running the penalty kill, it's it's going to be better, which it can't get much worse, let's be honest. Right. I mean, it's just going to be a big area of focus, too. Yeah, and it should be. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and if I were to put one under that, it would be defense 5v5. Yes, I think defense will dramatically improve because of the knowledge that they have on the blue line now with a guy like Niskanen and even Braun. Yep. yep. Yeah. Well, folks, Great. that's it. That is it for us at the Pot that, Street Bullies. That's all she wrote. Yes, so John, please let everybody know at home where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at John P. Gove. You can find my articles at Philly Sports Network. I'm actually going to start putting out some prospect preview pieces where I'm going to kind of focus in on like a – I don't even know what you would call it, Derek, like a section at a time. We'll do the NCAA and the juniors and the European leagues and stuff. So, yeah, uh, yeah, look out for those. 
And you can find me on Twitter at PuckBobPSN. I write for Philadelphia Sports Network covering mainly the Phantoms, which will be more evident here shortly once we are settled at the new house. And we are going to send you off, letting you know that you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, YouTube, everywhere. Just look for us. You'll find us. Folks, that is it. You have a wonderful week ahead. And as always... Let's go Flyers. Bye now.